So why do so many people miss it? I mean, this is all, I mean, everything you said makes sense. Why do so many people do so wrong or so, I, I can't, I can't believe it's just ignorance or bad training of management. I mean, there's got to be something else that they're, how, how are they missing this? Everything you need to know, you learn in kindergarten. I'm not here to instruct you. I'm here to remind you, you know, what you learn in kindergarten. Be nice. Tell the truth. Don't hit. Say please. Say thank you. Say I'm sorry. Don't be a bully. Forgive your brother. Do the right thing. Do the best you can do. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. I can't believe companies pay me to tell them this stuff, Darren. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Everything you need to know, you learn in kindergarten, right? So that's number one, Darren. People need to be reminded. They are... There's a reason why church is every Sunday, right? You, right. you can't hear this stuff once and think you're good. Mm -hmm. I, I've been teaching servant leadership decades, and I need to be reminded pretty much every day, or I lose my balance. And I've immersed my whole life in it. So people need to be the great companies, the great cultures of servant leadership. They're getting reminded all the time. Yeah. Church is happening every continuous learning all the time. We got to be reminded. That's that's a big part. The second is there's got to be some friction in the culture that you're expected to behave this way. This isn't optional. This is the way we roll, right? So they need to see an example of it. They need to see examples of it in the workplace. They need to be mentored, right? It's one thing to say you have values and a mission statement and all this great stuff. But if we don't behave this way day in and day out at work, it's just, it's, it's just nonsense. It's not worth squat. It's just information, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they need to know we're serious about this. If you're going to be a leader in our organization, Darren, being patient and kind and humble and respectful and selfless and honest and committed, we're going to start measuring that. And we're going to have you get feedback on how you're doing. And if we have gaps, we're going to expect you to get after that stuff. And if you don't, well, we love you and we'll miss you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you don't fit our culture. This is the way we roll. Yeah. One of the things so, that you said said here was that power destroys relationships. But you've talked a lot about uh, holding people accountable. That That's not the same thing, right? Uh, can you can you unpack the difference? Yeah. I mean, it, when I if I have to have a conversation with you, Darren, about gaps, if I have to discipline you, it's not about power and punishment. If you take the word disciple, let's change that. Let's take the word discipline. Okay. And underneath that, write the word discipling. The only difference is the last letter. You take the, the E off discipline and put a G in there. Now it's discipling. So we're not here to beat people up. Our, our employees are adult volunteers. They're free to leave. Yeah, I'm not here to 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 pun. I am here to disciple you to excellence. Now you hear that word disciple. What do you think of? I'm here to teach, to train, to tutor, right? To identify. I'm here to help you get better, way better. Mm 
right? In fact, that's the test of my leadership. You're going to leave a lot better than when you got here. And that's what I think my, one of my quotes in The Servant from Vince Lombardi used to tell his players, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to like you, but I will love you. And my love will be relentless. What did he mean by that? When, when you leave my team, you'll be in demand in the NFL. I'm going to make you great. You, you want to know how much I care? Watch what I do. So when I see a gap, I'm not going to allow that on my watch. This isn't about punishment or beating people. This is about discipling you to excellence. That's my job as the leader, as a dad, as a mom, as a supervisor. I'm not going to allow this on my watch. I want you to grow. I want you to be green and growing, getting better. So if we're going to talk about gaps, I'm here. that serves you. If I'm not pointing out your stuff, Darren, I'm not serving you. If I don't call you on your gaps, the only person I'm serving is myself. I can avoid the hassle. Now we can go out and have a beer today, tonight, Darren. We're we're buddies, right? We don't we don't have any tension in our relationship. That's not leadership. That didn't servant leadership. That didn't do what people need. That's doing what people want. So servant leader, that's part of the sacrifice. That's part of how you serve people. Telling the truth is hard, right? And how do you get really good at that? You got to get in the pool. You got to practice and it's hard. You know, you're going to flop around the first couple of times, stick with it, right? You're going to start getting good at it. And after a while, you're before long. Don't look now. You don't have to try to be a good leader. You are a good leader. That's right. Your thoughts became your actions. Your actions became your habits. Your habits became your character. Your character became your destiny. You don't wait till you feel like it. Do it. Get in the pool. The feelings will come later. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, you talked about, and you mentioned this a little bit ago, uh, love. And I, I have for many years talked about how like it, it, it all comes down to care, right? So we were using similar terms. I met a psychologist and when, when we introduced each other, I uh, said, oh, well, you're, you're a PhD in organizational leadership. Well, that's interesting. What are the three most important traits of leadership? I said, no, you got the wrong question. It's if you care, you'll naturally do the right things. Okay, if you get that care right, if that is the starting place, you know, 80% of your problems dissolve instantly because you start doing the right things naturally. You use the term love and you said this, I could not leave the word love out and be intellectually honest. Tell me about that process where when you came to that and then expand on it a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's a word we throw around a lot. And unfortunately, in the English language, it's come to be associated with how we feel about things. I mean, I can love my my Corvette, I can love my bourbon, I can love my cigars, I can, as long as I feel good about it, I could say I love it. If I didn't feel good about it, you probably wouldn't use that word. So we almost always associate it with with feeling. Um, when I talk about love, I'm talking about the agape love. You know, the Greeks had four words for love. C.S. Lewis wrote a book about it called The Four Loves. In fact, there was a, a commercial, uh, the Super Bowl before last. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, did you see it? I saw the Super Bowl, but I'm trying to remember the commercial. I should show it to you. You want to want to see it? It's one sure. minute. All right, here we go. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge. 
The kind you have for a grandparent or a brother. Ah, let's go. Third, there's Eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, I love you. The fourth kind of love is different. It's the most admirable. It's called agape. Love as an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, strength. For 175 years, New York life has been helping people act on their love so they can look back or look ahead and say, we got it right. Love takes action. Wow. Yeah, I got so excited because I've been trying to get that point across for a lot of years. When we talk about love, we're talking about the Greek agape love, which, of course, the New Testament is, that's the only word they use for it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a love of feeling. It's a verb. It describes what you do. It's an extension of yourself, identifying and meeting needs. You know, when I was a kid, love your neighbor, the verb in the sentence was love. Mm -hmm. It, It doesn't pause to consider how you feel. It's, it's an extension of yourself. Even if I don't feel like it, yeah, especially when you don't feel like it. Not sure it can really be an active character or love unless it costs you something. Yeah. It's, it's the willingness to extend. And so when I talk about loving your employees, I tell some, I tell some employees, all, I'm not, I don't care how you feel. I've already made that point. I sure. care how you behave, right? You don't feel like, <laughs> do it anyway. You don't feel like being patient, be patient, be kind, be humble, be respectful, fake it to make it, practice it, right? If you're arrogant or you don't listen or you don't give appreciation, you don't honor people, you don't demonstrate gratitude, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person. It means you have some really bad habits. Mm-hmm. You've got to change those if you want to be an effective leader, because if you're not good at relationship, you're never going to be an effective leader. You don't hold people accountable to excellence. That's the most common gap I find, Darren, in, in corporate America. Yeah. That, and uh, we talked about that in class last night as well, where we were talking about when, when students evaluate each other, like a team project, it's always great inflation. And just like you have found in corporate America, the, I am telling you, like, you have to give these people the right grade based on where they are. Uh, Yes, it could hurt their grade, but you have to practice that now before you go out there and you're managing somewhere and you're, you're doing harm. So it's the same thing in college as it is in, uh, in the corporate world. And all through life, not tell, not being fully honest. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not servant leadership. It's self-serving leadership. That's right. I can avoid the hassle. I can be the nice guy. We don't have to have any tension. We, I'll tell you, like I said before, Darren, the great servant leaders I know, they're pit bulls. Mm-hmm. They are truth tellers. Big time. And their teams love them for it. That's right. Hey, let me ask you this. How? So that was a lot of uh, core concepts from the servant leadership training course. How has your thinking progressed since 2006 when you put that together? Hi, you know, I've been asked that quite a bit lately, you know, after all these years now. I'm 65 and um, been doing this a long time. You know, the core, the the foundation hasn't changed at all. Um, That 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 just that just doesn't change. Another thing I'll say about that foundation, Darren, all the years on the road, all over the planet, all different cultures, all different organizations, profit, nonprofit, secular, 
government, military, never anywhere one time on planet Earth have I had somebody raise their hand and say, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Wow. With the, I disagree with the principles of servant. I would rather have a leader who is impatient and unkind. I prefer the I prefer the mean ones that don't have impulse control. I I prefer the arrogant ones. Arrogant people inspire me. Uh, the ones who are disrespectful and selfish, uh, unforgiving and dishonest. The corrupt ones. That's you know that's who I want my daughter to marry. Somebody like that. You know, Darren, they say we're postmodern and post-truth. They either say we're post-truth. Let me tell you something. My, my experience, this is something everybody agrees on. The definition of love. Patience, kindness, humility, respect, selflessness, forgiveness, honesty, commitment. Never had a hand raised and said I disagree with that. So what is love? Love is character. Character and love are synonymous. What's character? Doing the right thing. It's the right thing to do to be patient, kind, humble, respectful, selfless. Character and love are synonymous. Mm -hmm. Integrity. Inte a person of integrity is somebody who has integrated the whole. That's right. Not just somebody who's nice but doesn't tell the truth or somebody who's a taskmaster but doesn't know how to build a relationship. That's not a person of integrity. An integrity, a person of integrity is somebody who is, remember, integer, wholeness has integrated the whole. That's an effective human being. That's who people want to work for. That's who people want for a dad, a mom. That's who people want their kid to marry. Now, you know, it, that's a high bar. Mm -hmm. Every time I, I put that slide on the wall when I'm teaching seminars, I, I look at it and I, I tell the crowd, guess what? I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I am not where I need to be. Let's get my wife in here. She will tell you <laughs> he sucks. I, I, and she's known me since the first grade, literally, right? But you know what, Darren? I'm pretty sure she'd tell you he's better than he used to be. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about, guy. I'm nowhere near. I'm nowhere near where I need to be. But I am one heck of a lot better than I used to be. That's right. One heck of a lot better. And I'm not always patient and kind and humble, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. And I'm recovering a lot quicker when I'm not, right? Yeah. Getting back in that game. And that's what it's about. It's about, that's what character development is, right? That's what leadership development is. Where do you need to grow? Is it on the relationship side? Is it on the task side? You don't appreciate people? Got a bad habit. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. You don't listen? Really bad habit. What are you going to do about it? You don't treat people with respect? You don't hold people accountable? Oh, that doesn't mean you're bad, but man, you've got a bad habit. You can never be an effective leader. You're never going to be an effective parent if you're not able to. You're never going to be an effective boss if you can't tell the truth. So what do you want to do about it? What are you going to do to start getting in the gym and start working on that? That's leadership development, Darren. you got to get people in the gym. Yeah. Whether they want to or not, you kick them in the gym. You kick them in the swimming pool. <laughs> start swimming. and you create. That's what creating a culture of excellence is. You get people, you got to teach them, you got to get them some feedback about their gaps, right? And then you got to create some friction so they start getting after their stuff. Then you start again, continuous learning, continuous feedback, continuous improvement. Start to, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a program, it's a, it's, it's a way of life. We're always learning, we're always getting feedback, we're always getting after our stuff, right? So we have people evaluate you. 
Have your students evaluate you? Have your employees evaluate you? Do I trust you? Are you a leader I feel confident following? So Are you patient? Actually, Are you kind? Do you listen, right? Ask the questions. Yeah. My students actually use your checklist from the servant leadership training course on themselves, and then they have colleagues evaluate them. Beautiful. And and so when they do that, what they're seeing is one grade inflation, right? Everybody's being overly nice. But I say, look, I mean, if you got a 4.5, ratchet that down. Let's say that's a B. Let's say a four is a C. If you're in a three point something, you got work to do, right? So they, they, but they get it because they're getting an aggregate average of anonymous feedback from peers, supervisors and colleagues and, and subordinates. And, and so they're, they're getting it. And then they're starting to see, well, where are your weaknesses? And when they hear this, they're starting, yeah, yeah, some will say, yeah, I knew that this was what it was. Or others will say, like, they keep telling me that that I'm, I don't hold people accountable. But look, if they're telling you <laughs> what, what you see of you is one thing, what, what other people are seeing of you, that's reality. Okay, so uh, we use the, exactly what came from your course uh, to have them uh, evaluate themselves and have others evaluate them. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So you got to give them feedback and then creating the tension where we got to get serious, right? Uh, where people have to stand up and start talking about their stuff. So when I work with a group, let's say senior leaders, the CEO goes first. They stand up in front of their group and put their results on the wall. Here's what y'all wow. had to say. Yeah, we call that opening the kimono. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's radical, right? But now we got to get serious. Once, everyone, once we've opened the kimono and everybody knows, and then you pick two that you're going to work on and you set a smart plan, specific measurable plan on what you're going to do to fix it. I'll tell you what, Darren, when you stand in front of 20 people, your team, people who know you, right, they got to deal with you half their waking hours and you make a commitment, that's a powerful experience. Yeah. Now there's nowhere to hide. You either got to get after your stuff or you're going to look pretty silly next month when you stand up and talk about how you're getting better. <laughs> <laughs> right they're nowhere to hide that's the kind of tension we create in, in corporate america that's the stuff we're doing we're yeah. creating that kind of friction you've got to do that darren it's not easy to change people are bundles of habits they can change and they can change a lot i've been humbled by how much people can change in a short amount of time in a really short amount of time i've seen people change a lot i mean i've spent 35 years doing that but it's not easy and it, it's, it's, you got to be committed. You got to be intentional and laser focused. We are going to learn. We are going to get feedback and we are going to create friction where you got to get serious about your stuff. Continuous improvement is not just a punchline. It's one of the first questions I ask in my seminars. How many of you believe in continuous and continuous improvement? Mm -hmm. Everybody raises their hand. Question two, can you improve if you don't change? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct so what's the plan what are you going to change what are you going to you know you cannot get better unless you change and you and, and you're either getting better or you're getting worse you nothing stays the same so pick one so if you're going to get better what's the plan we want it specific and we want it measurable we want it, you talking about it every month in front of your peers and in front of your team now you're going to have to get serious yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what we do so uh, you wrote a book just a few years back, uh, The Culture. Uh, tell me about how that extends your thinking or if it's, um, I, I, I'm assuming that it's taking this and doing what you were just talking about. Yeah, so culture being the umbrella, right? How we mm -hmm. roll here. And every organization has a culture. Every group, 
of two or more people gathered together for a purpose. Kind of how we roll here. What do we talk about? What don't we talk about? What gets you in trouble? What gets you, you know, what gets you praised? What gets you, you know, just how do we roll here? Right. So if you want to create a great culture, in my experience, you got to have two things in play. You got to have great leaders. I've never seen a great culture without great leaders. Yeah. Never seen that happen. Never seen a great marriage. It didn't have great leadership going on. Never saw family, business, ball team, church, any group, two or more people gathered together. If there is great excellence going on, I promise you there's leadership in that group. Yeah. Converse. And also the other wing of the bird is community. How do we build community as a team? Deep connection, community to know and be known by others. Connection, emotional connections. I learned a lot of this from the Marine Corps. I do a lot of training in the military, and they've taught me a lot about the importance of camaraderie, esprit de corps, building community within a within a group. And we know how important that is in families. I mean, it's the essence of family. But if we can do that in business, where we intentionally set up time where we get to know each other. You know, we take a half hour a month and we talk about stuff. Darren, tell us your story. You got five minutes. You're not allowed to talk about work. We already know what you do. We want to know who you are. We want to hear the highlights. What's the hardest thing you ever had to do? What's the most important lesson you've ever learned in your life? How can we be thinking about, how can we be praying for you? Right? I mean, we're the groups where we spend that, we, we go deep. And you're in the barrel this month, Darren. You're first. Right? We really start to build connections, emotional connections with one another. Build, build community to know and be known. And I'll tell you what, that's the secret sauce. That's the jet fuel for teams. And boy, when you can create that, that, that's the power of the Marine Corps, right? They would never let a buddy down. It's not about the flag. It's not about my sergeant. I'd never let my teammate down. The experiences they go through together and the community they build, I may not want to drink beer with you, Darren, but I'd never let you down, dude. Mm -hmm. You're on my team, ever. So that community piece is just really a huge part of culture for a marriage, a family, a church. And it's it's almost always neglected. In order, it's even neglected in marriages, right? Having date nights and doing, because it's hard. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It, it takes effort. We get bored. We get a lot of things. Do it anyway. Those connections are really, really important. And you never know when there's going to be a tipping point. So that's what the culture is. How do we grow our leaders? How do we build community? If we can do those things really well, how would you like to compete against a group playing at that level? Yeah, that's. They're going to leave right. you in. You can't even begin to approach the level of excellence you can achieve with great leadership and great community. You don't want to compete against those folks. Yeah. And there's very few of them, Darren. Way less than ten percent. I think it's it's single digits for sure in our country. But boy, when you experience it, you know it. When you walk into an organization, you can you can. It's palpable. Yeah, excellence you know. is an amazing thing. You, you said that uh, great cultures always have great leadership. And while that's kind of a duh statement, I hadn't thought of that before. But yeah, that's right. I can't think of any culture that is great that does not have awesome leaders at the helm. And I, I've seen pockets within organizations yeah. where, you know, a, a middle manager is a great leader and that unit's fine and the others are jacked up. Um, but I see that all the time. Yeah. Actually, that's what got me going on servant leadership. Remember I told you I used to do union drives mm-hmm. and I would go into these dysfunctional organizations. I mean, you, I'm Detroit. That's where I'm from. Arguably the toughest labor area in the world. I was in the middle of wars. I mean, literally where people would die on the picket lines to horrible 
dysfunction in the workplace, as bad as you can imagine. And I go into these companies, I'm in my 20s, right? And I can't even believe what I'm seeing. It's like, it, it's unbelievable. But we would, we would do these surveys by department and by shift. And there would always be pockets. You know, the, the second shift bending room, really good scores. Third shift shipping and receiving, fantastic scores. So I was young. I'd get up in the middle of the night, leave my hotel room, and I'd go out. I'd go to the bending room, find out what was going on at two in the morning. And guess what I found down there? Every time, I found a leader. And he or she would say something like this to me. They'd say, you know, this place is out of control. That CEO you got up there, somebody needs to shoot him. <laughs> He's a Nazi, right? But you know what? I can't do anything about that, but I can do something about these 10 guys right. I got loaded in the truck tonight. That's right. I can do something about this. And that's what they did. Servant leaders in their sphere of influence, focusing on what they could control. And I would see the impact they would have on 10 lives. And that moved me deeply. The, the, the power of one. How in the, in, the, in the sea of chaos, mm -hmm. there's these pockets of tranquility. And, and that wasn't usually or generally speaking, I'd find that. I always found that. Wow. In every order, there were pockets. And there was great servant leaders out there. They're everywhere, Darren. They're out there. <laughs> now, the key is in an organization, can you pull it together and can you create it? Can you create a culture of excellence? And the answer is yes. We have the technology of how to do that. It's been around for a few thousand years. Yeah. Grow servant leaders and build connection, emotional connection. And you won't be able to hold it back. We have the technology. It takes effort. It takes service. It takes sacrifice. It's hard. So the, back to your question about why, do, why aren't people doing this? Yeah. Well, Darren, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's much easier to sit in my office and just say, do it. Do it or else. Now I can get back to the Internet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't take any effort at all. But for me to get out of my office and go to a meeting and build a relationship with a team of people, ah. Oh, Go have date night with some people I don't really even like that much? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, really. You want excellence or don't you? It comes with a price. It's hard. The great servant leaders I know, Darren, work very hard at it. Yeah, they do. Every day. They work very hard at it. Hey, uh, listen, if, if uh, listeners want to know how to get a hold of you or follow up and uh, do you have a website or some kind of contact information that I can point them to? jameshunter.com everything James everything they need to know would be there so appreciate yeah. that yeah absolutely and i'm sure that some will because uh, this is just an uh, an incredible time thank you for your time i always end my podcast with a quotation for contemplation i, I didn't know that you had a marine background uh and um i actually selected a quote from uh, simon Sinek's book uh, where he was quoting Lieutenant General George Flynn, who said, the cost of leadership is self-interest. And it just dovetailed so nicely with everything that I've heard from you before and that, that you reinforced again and again and again. And what we're talking about, the cost of leadership is self-interest. And wow, I mean, that's right. I, I don't know that you can have it any other way. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to authority. You have to earn it. You have to earn your influence. You have, and the only way to do that is you have to serve and you have to sacrifice. It's going to come with a price. You got to get your eye on the ball. The ball ain't you. 
And if you don't feel like it or you do it anyway, just start practicing it. Even right. if you don't feel like it, even if it feels awkward, do it anyway. Before long, it'll become second nature. Now, practice. What we practice becomes stronger. That might be what you're going to say when I ask the next question. And if that's the case, that's fine. But if you're talking to a young leader, somebody just getting out of college, just starting into their career, what one piece of advice do you do you want to impress on them? Like to, to get them started on the correct path, get that azimuth set correctly on their compass. What do you want them to know? One thing. Get your worldview straight. Okay. Yeah. Answer. Figure out, is Christianity true or is it not? Is there a God or is there not? Get it straight. Get it straight when you're young. There's a lot of great resources out there to figure that out. First verse in the Bible, is it true or is it not true? If it's not true, then forget about it. You don't need to read another page. If it is true, there's nothing more important. So figure that out. Get your worldview straight, right? If there's a guy, if, as C.S. Lewis said, if Christianity is not true, it's of no value. It doesn't matter. It's of no It's of no value. Yeah. If it is true, there's nothing more important. So if, if you figure out that it's true, and that's what I came to the conclusion many years ago that it is very likely true, way more likely true than not true. You can never prove it 100%. You can't prove a spiritual thing 100% empirically. You can't. But is it likely true? And if it is, then I suggest you uh, get immersed. There's nothing more important. And you get immersed in that and you start abiding in Christ. Servant leadership is going to be the fruit of that. So that's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. Get yeah. your worldview straight. It took me till I was 50 to get my worldview straight. Once I got my worldview straight, yeah, nothing more important than that. Because a lot of things flow out of that. I would imagine it's very easy to make that step to from Christianity into servant leadership as opposed to coming from other worldviews. Is that is that fair? Yeah, and some of the great servant leaders I know are not Christians. They're, they're, they have no faith that I can even detect. You don't have to be a Christian to be a servant leader. I'm not saying that at all, uh, but it helps. <laughs> it helps. You know, I came to servant leadership, and I wasn't a committed Christian, I, and I learned all these things intellectually. You can come to it intellectually, but I. But if I was going to tell my 20 year old self what to do, get the worldview straight because it's going to it's going to impact every area of your life, and you're going to need it. Wow. Figure that out when you're young. Yeah. Don't wait. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're and, welcome. Uh, I mean, this has just been remarkable. Uh, I'm sure that my students are going to love hearing what you had to say here. And I, I'm very grateful. Yeah. And my last thing I'd say to your students, man, get in the gym, get in the pool. Or I tell young people, what can you do? Honor your parents. Call them. Write them a letter. They're going, to write, they're going to read that letter 10 different times. You under, when you're your parent, you're going to understand that, right? Start working on your character right now, right? Reach out to your sibling. Who do you need to forgive? Go forgive that person. That's how you work on That's the reps in the gym. Yeah. You can start right now. Oh, I'll do that once I become a leader. No, no, no. Your character's being developed. You're well on your way at age 20, <laughs> age 18, 19. You're well on your way to forming your habits. So get in the gym. All right, Jim, thank you so much. All right. Great being with you, Darren.